Hello and welcome to Truth for the Morning, Reflections from God's Word. Today we're going to pick up back in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is still teaching on the Beatitudes. Today we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Most often when the word meek is referenced in modern times, it is usually not a compliment of someone's demeanor or character. In our culture, it's typically used to describe people perceived as weak or unwilling to stand up for themselves. Or it could be used to refer to someone who is quiet or timid. Even the Oxford English Dictionary defines this quality in a semi-negative light, stating the word refers to one that is easily imposed upon. Taken by itself, that may not necessarily be perceived as a slam on someone's personality. However, it's certainly viewed as a weakness in our culture. In the Bible, the word meek is understood in a very different light. And while sinful humanity during the time of Scripture was being written may not have valued meekness, the Bible itself certainly does. The word meek does not refer to one who is weak and easily overrun. It does not mean a person is timid and afraid to stand up for themselves. Rather, the word describes the exact opposite. One who is meek is not weak. They possess strength under control. One who is meek is not easily overrun or imposed upon. They are keenly aware that they are not the center of the universe, and they're willing to place the interests of others before their own for the glory of God. The one who is meek is not unable to defend themselves. They let the integrity of their life speak for them. Meekness in the scripture expresses itself in a gentle spirit that in humility entrusts itself to God rather than seeking its own way or seeking to be of first importance. We see the ultimate example of meekness displayed for us by our ultimate example setter, Jesus Christ. When God the Son, the one by whom the universe was created and for whom it was created, stood before his false accuser shortly before he would go to the cross, what was his demeanor? Surely we understand what he could have done. We witness this God-man exert power over the wind and the sea. We witnessed him create fish and loaves to feed the multitudes. We know of the accounts of other occasions before it was his time miraculously escaping angry crowds. Three of the disciples witnessed his transfiguration, where the veil of his flesh was momentarily lifted, and he displayed his glory for them to be witnesses of. The one standing there before liars that were seeking his destruction was and is infinitely glorious and powerful. He could have crushed them with a word. He could have exposed their sin. He could have vindicated himself and made fools of his accusers. But what did he do? The prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Christ was born, would foretell those very events. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Isaiah 53 verse 7 
Jesus stood before his accusers and did not open his mouth. He did not revile in return, and when he suffered, he did not threaten. Why? He set an example for us to follow. Peter says of this, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 1 Peter 2, verses 21 through 24. We read those words and affirm them. Yet the moment we don't get our way, we become blubbering babies. The moment someone offends us in the slightest of ways, we're out for blood. If we're truly honest with ourselves, we fall so short of this standard, and we are in desperate need of God's grace to help us align our lives with His purposes in us. Meekness is not weakness. It is strength under control. It is a gentle spirit that understands God is on His throne and we are not. It is the natural progression that flows from the other two blessings Jesus has already pronounced. When we're poor in spirit, we don't buy our own press. We know we have nothing to bring to the table that would make us worthy of God or commend us to Him. When we mourn our own sin, we're keenly aware of how short we fall of God's glory and our desperate need of His mercy and grace in our lives. True meekness flows out of poorness of spirit and contrition over sin. It flows from a heart that has received and been changed by the gospel. It understands that God has been infinitely gentle and gracious with us. Therefore, we have a holy obligation to display that same gentleness and grace to others.